from Girls Education International, this is the Girls Education International podcast, where we talk about educating girls around the world, women's empowerment, and all the topics in between. I'm Ana Yovanchief, your host for today. Shalmina Abji is the author of Show Your Worth, Eight Intentional Strategies for Women to Emerge as Leaders at Work. She started her career at IBM as a software engineer and moved to sales and sales leadership. She has led global teams and delivered over $1 billion in revenue annually, while consistently maintaining high client satisfaction as well as team morale. At the peak of her career, she left IBM to help accelerate the success of others. She has mentored hundreds of women and spoken at many companies, conferences, and colleges, including Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Meta, IBM, T-Mobile, and more. Shalmina and her husband funded Amahoro Secondary School in Tanzania in 2012, and Shalmina served on the advisory board of Girl Up, a global leadership development initiative by the UN Foundation, positioning girls to be leaders in the movement for gender equality. Thank you so much for being here and being willing to talk with us today. We're so excited to have you. With that, let's just jump in. Can you share with our listeners what inspired you to initially write this book? You know, Anna, I come from humble beginnings in Tanzania and inspired by my mother in third grade, I started working really hard in school to get good grades. And as I started getting good grades, I started believing that I could obtain a college degree And if I obtained a college degree, I'd be able to lift myself and my family out of poverty. So this was a bold dream because the town Mwanza in Tanzania, where I grew up, did not have education past 10th grade. No one in our family had obtained a college degree and we had no disposable income. But I was stubbornly determined that if I had a college degree, I could lift us out of poverty. My mom then borrowed $500 from someone in our community so I could go to college because people like us did not get loans from the bank. So that's where I started. My first degree in mathematics from India did not pay me enough to lift ourselves out of poverty. And I hadn't really thought about What happens after I get a degree? I just firmly believed that if I had a degree, I'd make money and would not be bored again. And so my first degree didn't allow me to fulfill that dream, but it emboldened me because I had been away from home since I was 18. I went to India. I dealt with loneliness and the whole experience of being away from home. Now I was ready to come to the United States and obtain a college degree here. When I obtained a degree in computer science, my first job that paid me $27,000 a year was more money than my parents could make in 10 years. And so I thought, that's it. We're never going to be poor again. And, you know, there was just one company, Anna, that would even consider interviewing me because I was on a student visa. And so I could only work for a limited time. And so most of the companies wouldn't even interview me. First of all, because I went to a small college, no one came to our college to interview us. And secondly, because I had a limited visa status, no one was interested in interviewing me. Even though I was on the dean's list, I had worked 35, 40 hours a week in addition to carrying a full computer science workload. 
my yeah. visa status was just not right. Finally, one company in St. Paul, Minnesota, they were a technology startup company. They offered me this job that paid me $27,000 a year. And so I'm ecstatic. I am grateful that I have this opportunity. As you know, so many young women in Tanzania, in Pakistan, where you serve, they don't get such opportunities. So I was very aware that I have this opportunity to actually do something with my life and to lift us out of poverty. But then something very interesting happened. In about a couple of weeks, I started noticing that in a company of 2,000 engineers, I was the only woman of color. Mm -hmm. No one looked like me. No one dressed like me. They all came from better socioeconomic backgrounds. They all had more education than I did. Ivy League colleges, you know, master's degrees, PhDs. I had a bachelor's degree from a small university. And what that did was in my own head started undermining myself. In my own head, I started thinking, what would I know that they don't already know? Uh -huh. What value am I going to create? They will know everything I know. And so my ideas will not matter. And Anna, when I did that, I convinced myself that my ideas will not matter. I became fearful of speaking up. Not only in meetings, but even on one-on-one -on -one conversation, when I thought I could contribute value, I just figured they were all smarter than me and I just didn't say anything. But, you know, I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Here I'm afraid to speak up. But within a year, if I didn't figure out a way to contribute unique value, not just any value that anyone else could contribute, because then by law, they were required to hire someone else. I had to contribute unique value so I would be difficult to replace. Mm -hmm. But how does one create unique value when one is afraid to speak up? Yeah. And so I was under a tremendous amount of stress. And one day, almost three months into this, we had a meeting on a Tuesday afternoon and we were talking about testing our software. And I had this really great idea. But of course, fear grips me. And says, don't say anything. They might think you're stupid. You'll be stating the obvious. They already know everything you know. And so just be quiet. And so I did. Out of fear, I didn't speak up. And it was as if my idea jumped from my head into the head of the guy sitting right across from me. He <laughs> stated exactly what I was thinking. Hey. And in that moment, the room lit up with enthusiasm. Everyone started patting him on his back. And then I heard someone tell him, what a unique way of solving this problem. And that word, you know, my heart sunk, actually. I went into the bathroom, looked at myself in the mirror, and I said, Shalmina, that could have been you. You should have spoken up. It doesn't matter that no one here looks like you. It doesn't matter that no one here speaks like you. It doesn't matter that they're all more educated than you are. It doesn't matter that they're more experienced than you are. What matters is you have unique ideas that can create value towards the success of your organization. Yes. You should have spoken up. Your ideas matter. And so, Anna, that first victory, that inner victory of my own voices telling me my ideas don't matter to my own voice telling me my ideas do matter was the beginning of me navigating success in corporate America. Okay. So I started there and I had to blaze many, many trails. I was the first 
in just about every role I took. However, I had a lot of people that helped me, a lot of people that helped me along the way. The more chances I took on myself, the more chances they took on me. And I ended up becoming one of the highest ranking women of color at IBM. And in 2014, the next paycheck did not matter. The next title did not matter. What mattered is I wanted to pay forward. I wanted to pay forward to the universe for the opportunities. I wanted to honor the people that had helped me become successful because I was not in a position to make them successful, but I am now in a position to make others successful. So pay forward what they had given me to Mm -hmm. others that were coming after me. And so I left my corporate job in 2014 to full-time focus on using my time, my talent, my treasure to really make a difference. So I started mentoring hundreds of women. I started speaking at corporations, at conferences. And what I learned is whether I was speaking in Seattle, Washington, or New York, or Brazil, or India, or Kenya, women have shared experiences. And they were struggling with the challenges that I had faced 20 years ago, 10 years ago. And so I started sharing with them what helped me overcome those challenges. And I learned that, you know, there were a set of women who were ambitious. They wanted to succeed, but they didn't know how. So they would ask me the how-tos. They would actually come and tell me, you know, Shalvina, we know what to do, but we don't know how to do it. So teach us how. And so I would teach them how I overcame. And so I would I would share the how-tos and basically gave them a blueprint of how to advance their career. And then there were women who were disheartened. They were opting out of the leadership pipeline because they didn't see anyone that looked like them in leadership roles. And so they were convinced that leadership was not for them. And I was able to tell them that, yes, it is. You don't have to look a certain way to be a leader. And then there were women who made me cry because they were mothers and they were single mothers, and they didn't think that they could succeed in corporate America while being successful at home, taking care of their children, being a daughter, being a wife, et cetera. And I started sharing my strategies around work-life balance with them. And so I did that for four years. And then in 2018, during Thanksgiving, and you know, in the US around Thanksgiving, a lot of people take stock of their year and they look back and they want to thank people that played a role in their lives. And so over a span of 10 days, I had 200 messages from women, you know, text messages, emails, LinkedIn, phone calls. And they would tell me, remember that conversation because of that, I got promoted. That would make me happy. Remember that conversation. Because of that, I have a better relationship with my boss. That would make me very happy. Remember that conversation. Because of that, I'm stepping outside my comfort zone. That would make me happy. But then there were some emails and texts that really tugged at my heart. There were women that came and told me that, you know, you changed my belief system. I used to believe that I had to see someone to become it. You made me become the change I want to see. And I thought, wow. Yeah, You know, I can have that kind of impact. And then there were mothers and single mothers who came and told me, you give me hope. You give me hope that I can have a work-life balance. I can be successful personally and professionally. And that would make me cry. But what that did was it emboldened me. Now I knew that the women that I had the good fortune to interact with, their career trajectory was changing. They were becoming more successful 
And I thought if I could start sharing my strategies with women globally, then I could change the careers of millions of women. And together, we could advance gender and racial equality in leadership roles. So I started dreaming bigger because of their feedback based on what interactions they had with me. And that's what has led me to write this book. And that's what I do now, full time. Amazing. Oh, such a success story. I love it. So many success stories, actually, though, because as you were saying, it all builds on and you've been inspired by countless women to get where you are now, which is incredible. When I read this book, it really hit me (laughs) because I'm currently facing this transition period in my life and I'm hitting so many obstacles or what I feel like are obstacles because I've earned my degree and now I'm trying to find employment that fits within my purpose or what I want to shape my purpose to be Mm -hmm. and as I was reading I was really invested in the beginning of this book because you have had a lot of firsts and so from the first in your family to obtain a college degree to the first woman of color in roles you've taken Taking your experiences and thinking about how you first got your foot in the door, having to think girls in Tanzania, Pakistan, and just worldwide can get their foot in the door of opportunity. And it could be somebody like me who is just getting into their first job and still looking and still trying to find that perfect opportunity. Or you can think about a girl in Tanzania or Pakistan that might not even have a college degree yet. Yeah. You know, that's such a great question. If I could go back to some of the girls that you serve in in Pakistan and in Tanzania, my recommendation would be to really stretch yourself, to get outside your comfort zone and to do things that you never thought were possible, because that's how you're going to build confidence. That's how you're going to grow yourself. And you're also basically showing the world that you're taking a chance on yourself. When you step outside your comfort zone, take on a leadership assignment, whether that be in your volunteer organization, whether that be between three women or 30 women, it doesn't matter. Just take on something that you are afraid to take on, because the sooner you start facing your fear, the sooner you will realize that this fear is basically a voice in your head. And I have done an entire TEDx talk because when I didn't see anyone that looked like me and when I started undermining my own capabilities, I instilled that fear of speaking up. And it's when I realized that this fear was just a voice in my head. And then going into that bathroom and realizing that there's also a voice of courage, the voice that says your ideas do matter, speak up. Realizing that these are just voices in your head, Anna, the voices that tell you, don't do this. You know, your fear is there to protect you. But if you remain in that comfort zone protected, that's not how you're going to emerge as a leader. That's not how you're going to increase your influence and your impact. So the sooner you learn to take a chance on yourself, the sooner you learn to step outside your comfort zone, the sooner you learn communication skills, the sooner you learn collaboration skills, because these skills will come as you take on a leadership roles. You are now able to look back at who you were and see that you figured things out as you took on a project. Mm-hmm. You will start moving from self-doubt to self-belief 
to self-trust. And when you start trusting yourself to figure things out, you become unstoppable. Then you're not afraid to take on anything because you trust yourself. And you see, for the career women and for you, what I want to tell you is your career is a long game. Don't go through this analysis paralysis of finding the perfect fit for you. If your role is going to build competences that will enable you to succeed in the long term, and that's why I start my book by intentionally define what success means to you in five years. And remember, it has plasticity. It can change. It's your definition of success. You just have to define it so you have a North Star, so you have somewhere that you are heading towards, knowing that you can change this whenever you want. And then you start defining short-term successes, which become a stepping stone. And and if you fall into this perfectionist trap, you're not going to get out of it. You you can't just wait and analyze and analyze for the perfect job. You look at what you want to learn. At your age, what you want to know is you want to build competences that will set you up for future accelerated success. So when you're focused on building competences, when you are taking chances on yourself, that's when you start creating this upward spiral for success. It doesn't matter that you're first. Being the first is an advantage. It's not a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. It depends on how you look at it. A shift in your perspective actually turns a challenge into an opportunity. So if you think being a first is a challenge, then it will be a challenge. But you shift your perspective and you say, being a first is an opportunity. I get to become the change I want to see. I get to write my own rules because no one else has written them before. Now, all of a sudden, you're emboldened. So it's about taking the opportunities that kind of come. Stop waiting. Just go. (laughs) Well, no, no. You don't want to just go. No, no, no. You want to define your five-year definition of success and you want to go towards it. Yes. Otherwise, you will be going all over the place and not getting anywhere. You need to have a destination to go towards, but the route can change. Awesome. Okay. How does education prepare girls and what other skills may be helpful to develop that cannot be taught in a classroom? Well, you have to have learned skills that will create value for the organization you're going to work for. And your education becomes your entry point into that organization. However, in order for you to advance in your career, there are certain other strategies that will accelerate your success. And that's what I write about. So in college, in school, you can start learning these strategies. Learn how to build relationships, especially with people that are different from you. Because learning how to build relationships is going to be very, very critical as you go into the workplace. You will need to build relationships with your peers, with your mentors, with your sponsors, with your bosses, with your senior executives. So the sooner you learn how to build relationships, the better you will be. And the more relationships you build, the better you will get. And so that's one. The other one is communication skills. To be able to communicate in a way that creates value for your audience. So people can hear what you're saying. The way you say it is extremely important. The other one is collaboration skills. Intentionally find projects where your success depends on each other. 
So you learn to collaborate with each other. All these things, if you start at a young age, you will be able to then deepen those skills as you enter the workforce. Time management is another one. Understanding how to set priorities. All these things, the sooner you learn, the better you will be in the long run. Absolutely. I feel like you're also building a protection system for yourself with these as well, in a way, because I was talking to one of my friends recently about making sure you have very clear boundaries, whether it be with a job, relationship, like anything. What do you want to get out of a conversation with somebody, especially if you're nervous about it? And just keeping a very clear focus, like you were saying, like setting goals, but also keeping those boundaries on what you won't do, what you will do. Things like yes. that. That knowledge, uh, setting boundaries is extremely important. And self-knowledge is also very, very important. And that's why in my book, every chapter has an exercise. As I told you earlier, it's mm-hmm. all about how to. And it starts with introspection. Because if you don't know yourself, then you will be defined by others. If you don't set boundaries, people will cross those boundaries because they don't know what your boundaries are. And so the more you know yourself, the better you're able to live your life and your career on your own terms. Yes. I I really like what you said. If you don't know yourself, other people will define you for you. That's, yeah, that's scary. That's a scary thought, to be honest, to be defined by somebody else and not yourself. Yeah. Because you know yourself best or you should. So (laughs) you should know yourself best. You You should should actually take time to get to know yourself. You will be surprised how many people don't take time to reflect upon who are they? What do they want out of life? What are their values? What are they willing to compromise? What are they willing to not? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What culture do you thrive in? What culture rebels you? The, The more you know yourself, the better choices you will make. On a day-to-day basis, you can become intentional about living your truth, your values, when you know what they are. Yes, absolutely. I remember taking a class in college and it was, I think, my senior year, so a little over a year ago. And one of the things my professor highlighted very heavily was mindfulness. And I thought it was really interesting because that was the first time in a business kind of setting, right? That somebody was really focusing on, you have to know yourself and you have to be able to make decisions, but you won't be able to make decisions unless you actually know what it is that you want. So he made us practice mindfulness and do journaling and things like that as part of our course assignments. So kind of parallels. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. You also talked about listening to that fear in your head that initially made you stop and not speak up maybe in meetings and companies initially. But you overcame this, as you just told us. Yeah. How do we fight internal voices about these learned cultural norms? Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually have a TEDx talk on this particular topic because so many of us, uh, whether it's cultural norms or whatever, we have a tendency to underestimate our capabilities. And we then also underestimate our worth. And sometimes even when we know our worth, we are afraid to show our worth. And so overcoming that fear is so important. The second thing is that mental chatter. It's recognizing that this is your mental chatter. 
these are your voices and you have the power to control them, to manage them, and you are not your voices. And so I have actually coined a term, which is all over my book. It's called your power quotient. Just as you have your intelligence quotient, your emotional quotient, you also have your power quotient. And your power quotient is how do you respond to a stimulus, especially a negative stimulus? Because when the stimulus is positive, it's very easy to respond positively. But whether, when the stimulus is negative, whether it's an internal stimulus like fear or an external stimulus, someone doubting your capabilities, you must know that you have the power to just stop in that moment and scan your mental chatter. Your mental chatter might be reacting and giving into that fear. Or you can look for that voice of courage, no matter how faint it is, it's there. And feed your voice of courage so you can intentionally pick the response that will enable you to show your worth. And so let me double down into this because this is so important. So when my voice of fear was ringing loud, don't speak up. You will state the obvious. They'll find out you're stupid. They might even fire you. There was the faint voice of courage, which, by the way, was fueled by my own shift in my own mind that went from my ideas don't matter to my ideas do matter. So if you are telling yourself that your ideas don't matter, you will prove yourself right. So the first thing here is that the story you tell yourself about yourself is the most important story that either lets you show your worth or not. So really check in with those messages. Why are you telling yourself negative things about yourself? And stop, because just as you can focus on fear, you can also focus on courage. And when you start feeding your voice of courage, speak up. You can create unique value. Your ideas do matter. They might even extend your visa. You will never have to be poor again. You have to feed your voice of courage and make it so loud that the voice of fear starts to diminish. And then you pick your response intentionally, not reacting to the stimulus. Mm. You stop and you pick your response that will enable you to show your worth. That is in your power. Never again will you give your power away to your internal negative chatter nor external negative chatter. You will always own your power and pick your responses intentionally to show your worth. This also is not like an overnight thing, right? Would you say, yeah, this can be- It's a journey. It's It's a a journey. And as I tell, and as I share with my readers in my book, that we are seeking progress, not perfection. Because to change our way of being is not easy. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a disparity in, (laughs) there wouldn't be any gender equality issues to deal with. We would all be highly successful. So to change this is not an overnight thing. You start using your power quotient. And because you have trained yourself to act a certain way, you have to keep working towards it. What I also teach my readers is to set aside a weekly reflection time. And during that weekly reflection time, you want to look back at your past week. You want to learn from your mistakes. You want to course correct. But you don't want to dwell on your mistakes because that will deplete you of your energy. 
you want to learn and then you want to quickly move on to the successes that you had last week. Because you see, success breeds success. And the more you focus on the things you did well, it will energize you to do more things well the following week. And so every week you keep moving towards your success. You see, Anna, success doesn't happen just one fine day. Success mm-hmm. happens each and every day as you move closer and closer to your definition of success, as you make the right choices, as you make the wrong choices, you course correct, you learn, and then make the right choice. Because your yeah. career is a long game. But when you make a mistake and you start beating yourself up and you start that negative mental chatter, oh, you're a loser, you can't do this, you can't do that, you are sabotaging your own career. Yeah. Instead, tell yourself, you know what? I made a mistake. I learned from it. The next time this situation happens, role play it in your head, I'm going to do it differently. Yeah. Focus on the small successes you have every single day and create the success mindset. Yeah. It's up to you. These are choices we make. Mm. That's how powerful we are. That's amazing. It's amazing whenever you put your mind to something, what you can accomplish and learning to reset, learning to reset and just get back up on your feet and keep going. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And learning, learning, just create this learning mindset. Mm. I knew none of this when I started my career. I learned every single thing I know today. Well, and that's why I'm excited because I've taken 30 years of my learning and I put it in this book. So young women like you can take a story from my book and create your own epic story. Learn what I'm teaching you and you will fast track into leadership roles. Because it took me years to learn all this. And the higher up I rose, the more I learned about what success really means and how do people truly get successful and how do people truly go from an individual contributor to a first-line leader, to a director, to an executive, to a senior executive. And I am sharing all of this in my book. Yeah, it's a great book. I enjoyed it a lot. I also think just keeping that mindset of being the forever student Right. Because yes. you're saying you were saying it's we're constantly learning. We're constantly having to evolve and get better at things. Did you know women now run more than 10 percent of Fortune 500 companies for the first time in the Fortune 500 lists 68 year history, according to an article written by Emma Hinchliffe from Fortune. Hinchliffe writes. The Fortune 500, which ranks the largest businesses in the United States by revenue, can serve as a microcosm for business at large. So, when more women run this group of companies, it reflects the status of gender diversity in corporate leadership beyond this top cohort. With all this in mind, women in business is certainly rising, but we still have a long way to go before we reach true gender equality. All right, moving on to our next question. How can a woman in the world meet their goals regardless of all the obstacles the world may throw at them? And the obstacles could be, as we talked about, maybe race, maybe gender, maybe different laws in your country, the culture. How can they overcome even with these obstacles? Yeah. You know, I will tell you from my experience because I don't want to make it sound like you're going to wake up one day and you're going to change the entire world. But I will share with you that there are certain things that you can control 
And then there are others that you cannot control. And you need to know the difference. You must understand the difference because if every moment, every ounce of energy, you focus on things you cannot control, you take it away from the things you can control. So understand the difference and work on areas that you have control over. How do you show up? How do you create value? How do you build your competence? How do you exercise your power quotient to make the right decisions? Because if you allow external or internal obstacles to sabotage you, they will. But remember, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. You get to decide. I love that quote. Eleanor right? Roosevelt's <laughs> quote is, is no one can take your success away from you unless you give it to them. And then no one can take your power away from you unless you give it to them. But I'm very aware that there are certain cultural norms, certain places where things, there are things you can't change. So do something that you are able to impact. Stephen Covey talks about your circle of concern and your circle of influence. Your circle of concern is always larger than your circle of influence. However, you can only influence your circle of influence. And if you start banging your head against something that is completely outside your circle of influence, I'm not saying don't do it. It requires people like that to change, to become the change they want to see. But do it strategically. Do it intentionally. Know what it is that you're going after. Yeah. And then become the change you want to see. Define that success again, right? Create it, your little roadmap. Correct, correct. And, and become the change you want to see. Live by example and see how many women, how many other people can you bring with you and help them create yeah. a tribe and make the changes together. Mm -hmm. Another thing I've talked about with my friends and different people in my life is that you are who you are closest to. So the people in your immediate circle who end up becoming more and more yeah. like them. So if you want yeah. to be kind, then surround yourself with people that are kind. Yes. Um, yes. And if you want to be successful, surround yourself with people that are successful. Absolutely. Associations really matter. And it's not just about surrounding people. By the way, they, they, everyone says you'll become like the five people you hang out with and all that. So I'm, I'm not here to argue anything, but I am here to tell you in my chapter of relationships, I quote an American author called Alex Haley, who wrote the book Roots. And he mm -hmm. says, when you see a turtle on a ledge, you know it had help getting there. And that's me. And, and these are my mentors, my sponsors, my bosses, my leaders. I wasn't around them all the time, but I was learning from them. And so I want everyone to know that you can be intentional about building relationships that will help you grow. And so yeah. how to find mentors, why to look for mentors. I teach all these things in the book because you're not limited to just the people you surround yourself with. The world is your limit. Yeah. You can find people from whom you can learn certain expertise wherever they are. You can find them in a book. You can find them in a TED Talk. I couldn't have found people that went to college when I wanted to go to college. I just had to make a decision that I want to go to college and take the necessary steps. That's how powerful we are. Yeah. 
it's taking that inspiration as well, because sometimes we're not lucky enough to be able to surround ourselves with the right people. So being able to take inspiration wherever you find it and run with it is really powerful. And again, human mind, the way we can force ourselves and like use willpower to meet our goals. It's really incredible. It's really, really incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And to stretch ourselves, right? I often tell people that it's scary to stretch ourselves. It's scary to push ourselves outside our comfort zone, to meet other people, to learn new competences. But you know what's scarier is to never step outside your comfort zone and never know what your capabilities are. Yeah. No, definitely. It's so interesting because the immediate reaction is like stretching ourselves and stressing ourselves too. Just really creating spaces of discomfort is so foreign to what I think a lot of people try to emphasize in their life. Like we don't want to be discomfort. Like we don't want to be uncomfortable. We want to be comfy. We want to have happiness. And we want, you know, it would fine in a bubble. Yeah, that's what they want. By all means, they should have that. For me, it's the women and other underrepresented minorities that want to be leaders. Yeah, I want to teach them how. But if you don't want to do it, I I can't force you to do anything. You can't live my dream. You have to live your dream. It's important that you define what your dream is. Uh, However, having said that, in my book, as you read my book, the chapter of intentional growth actually starts with a quote from IBM's previous CEO, Ginny Rometty, who said, growth and comfort cannot coexist. So you have to pick. You want to grow or do you want to be comfortable? And the second thing is that when you know what your long-term definition is, then you want to make sure that you're growing in that direction. So it's not growth for the sake of growing, but it's an intentional growth that will lead you towards your long-term definition of success. Yeah. Intentionality, mindset, mindfulness, all of it is like so important or else like you were saying, again, you're going to go on a wild adventure that life takes you on, but with no real end goal or real destination that you're going towards. So you just kind of go on this like roller coaster of life instead of this nice kind of path. (laughs) Well, I would, I'm not going to call it nice. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) It's a difficult path. However, the more difficult it is, that journey is going to be the most rewarding journey. So if you're looking for a bed of roses, leadership is not for you. Because with leadership comes responsibility, accountability. The more you grow your sphere of influence, the more you grow your sphere of impact, you must be prepared to take on challenges because Mm -hmm. that's how you're going to grow and that's how you're going to help others grow. So it's not a walk in the park. No, definitely not. Because there's a lot of things like you were saying that you can't control, but it just depends on how you react. (laughs) Right? Correct. Correct. Right? (laughs) Okay. So going forward with this, what's the interior drive driving you to do good in the world? What motivates you to contribute to educating girls? So, you know, I told you what inspired me to write my book. Uh, That's what continues to drive me. I, I want to I wanna pay forward for all the opportunities that were given to me. And I want to honor all the people that have helped me. And the best way to do it is to help others be successful. So the two areas that I am focused on are racial and gender equality in leadership roles, 
And the second one is access to education. As I mentioned to you, I had to leave home when I was 15. And so to see that there are women who have to leave home after grade seven, because, you know, the primary schools are available in many of these countries, but secondary schools are not. And that's why, that's what drove me to Project Vizesha is to build a secondary school in a village where there was no access to education. So these women, actually, and men, there's 500 students today going to our school, could obtain education and they could then find a job. So I'm now focused on helping women go to college, women that graduate from our school, so they can find a job and they can lift themselves and their family out of poverty. And that creates a generational impact. So I, that's what I'm driven to do. Amazing. I love that. They motivate you to continue doing this work, which I yes, think is beautiful. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for the girls that are still in school, the girls that you serve, I want them to know that when they bring their best selves to work, when they are ready to do what it takes to get to the top of the class and then take on projects that have leadership roles in it, grow their competences, because as a result of that, they will also grow their confidence and always be taking a chance on yourself. Always learn to become better tomorrow than you are today. And then for the women who are already in their careers and the ones that are struggling, the first message I would like to live with is that everyone has the capacity to lead. And so don't ever think that a leader has to look a certain way and that leadership is not for you. With that in mind, if you stubbornly are determined to become a leader, no one will ever be able to take you off that leadership pipeline. They cannot take anything away from you unless you give it to them. So I'm teaching you how to fast track into leadership roles. And the other thing I'd like to ask you is, as you move up the corporate ladder, bring others along with you. Let's create a rising tide that will lift so many women and racial minorities so we become present in every room where decisions are made. So that is my ask. Women supporting women, always, always. Okay, Shalmina, thank you so very, very much for being on this podcast. We loved having you. You are beautiful, you are so inspiring, and you're very motivational. With that, thank you. Thanks for listening in today. Check out the Girls Ed blog at girlsed.org to learn more about our impact and follow our social media on Facebook and Instagram at Girls Education International. Again, please consider donating so we can keep uplifting girls around the world. I'm your host, Ana Ivanchi, and I'm wishing you an empowering day ahead.